What's up y'all, Daphne here, and welcome back to Seriously, What the Frick? So last week we talked about Rebecca Zahau and Max Shackney, sorry, um, both really sad. Um, so that, oh, okay, okay, so you guys, remember how I mentioned that like Pandora wouldn't email me back for like four months? Well, it's funny because the day that episode went up, which was Friday, um, Pandora finally approved me, so now I'm on YouTube and Pandora. Nice. Yeah, no, so anyway, um, yeah, Max and Rebecca dying was sad. Um, that's a whole bunch of what the fuck is happening anyway. Um, but we're moving on to more dead people this week. So this week we're going to be talking about the Jenny Jones murder case. Um, I don't know if you'll, some of y'all remember that. It's fucking wild. It was in the 90s. So it's, uh, yeah, it was fucking crazy. So, like I said, this took place in the mid-90s, and daytime talk shows were just the fucking craze, all right? It was a crack to some people. Like, it was the 90s TikTok, pretty much. And I hate that I just said that, but that's that's pretty much what it was. There were so fucking many of them, and they all used to just, like, use shock value to get viewership. Is that the viewership? I think that's the word. Um, anyway, shock was just how they clickbaited people by turning, like, tuning into their show because they were so fucking many other daytime talk shows there was just so much competition between the two or between the thousands my bad um you know there was just so many i'm talking about like the chevy chase shows rosie o'donnell jonah river fucking jenny jones like there was so fucking many so the jenny jones show was on in the 90s duh i've said that four times um and everyone just loved this fucking show um i say that in an endearing way like I, everyone just loves this stupid fucking show um but like the jenny jones shows covered fucking anything from stupid fucking teenagers being set to boot camp fucking my teen is too gothic she needs makeover or like you know paternity tests like literally fucking anything you can think of that was on a daytime talk show in the 90s um and one of these episodes was supposed to be someone surprising their crush on live television and there was this man named scott amadure who found out about this episode somehow and just like wrote in and said hey put me on the goddamn show which i don't he probably said that in like a nicer way but um he was accepted and he was flown into chicago where the jenny jones show was being taped and another guy was also invited named jonathan schmitz he was 24 at this time and his friend donna um so jonathan was invited because of scott um so Donna kind of knew about the whole thing. He, she knew that, um, that the whole secret crush thing, because surprise, Jonathan was Scott's crush. Because Scott was gay. Happy pride. So I'm gonna go a little bit into detail about Scott and Jonathan to kind of give just like a little bit more of a background. And we're gonna start off with Scott real quick. So Scott Bernard Amadur was born January 26th of 1963 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, in 1968, when Scott was five years old, his family moved to Michigan, and then about two years later, Scott's parents, Frank and Patricia, decided to just get divorced. Scott ended up living with his dad along with his siblings. Uh, he had two brothers and one sister. At the age of 17, Scott dropped out of high school and then joined the army, and he got his GED while he was in, in which I, now, I know now you can enlist without a high school degree or a high school diploma or GED, so times have changed clearly, but that was also, like, in the 80s, so 
He did satellite communications in case y'all were wondering what he was doing. And then after serving three years, he was honorably discharged and then with the rank of specialist. He then worked pretty much doing nothing but communications and telephone jobs. But he also started to bartend because he just really liked the nightlife, I guess. Um, I work the nightlife. I get it, but I don't all at the same time. So that's pretty much the extent of what I can find on Scott. And all I can find about Jonathan was literally his middle name and his birthday. Like, that's it. Like, nothing about his home life, his childhood, what he did for a fucking living. No, literally nothing. Um, so Jonathan Tyler Schmitz was born July 18th, 1970. And that's it. All we know about poor Mr. Jo- no, not poor Mr. Jonathan. Fuck Mr. Jonathan. Anything. I'm, it's fine. Okay, back to the Jenny Jones show now. So this episode was taped on March 6th, 1995, and Scott was on stage and John is backstage and had really no idea what was going on. Um, So on stage, Scott is just going on about how he's had this crush on this guy named Jonathan for the longest time, duh, and is explaining how they met, um, which how they met was Scott was going over to Donna's, you know, that lady that convinced John to go on the show. Um, So Scott goes over to her place and John was actually working on Donna's car and Scott immediately pretty much fell in love with him and his body sort of like love excuse me lost at first sight sort of shit scott kept on explaining to the audience about how he kept on having fantasies about jonathan like sharing a bottle of champagne hanging out in a hammock little fantasies you just have with like your crushes um shit like that so but scott had no idea if john was gay or not and it just kind of never came up so like i said john literally had no fucking idea like who the crush was and the producers like on the show did specify it could be a man or a woman but he wouldn't know unless he came on the show so john clearly says yes that just literally out of pure curiosity um and so when it is revealed to john that it was scott who had a crush on him he seemed fine he smiled he seemed totally more surprised than anything um, after recording, John flew back home and he goes for a long night of drinking. Um, doesn't seem to return to like the very early hours of the next day, night of drinking. Um, so when John gets home, he finds a little spicy note from Scott that says, quote, if you really want to get off, I'm the only one who has the right tool, end quote. Um, so this note kind of makes John immediately rush over to Scott and is like, hey, like, is this, is this from you? Um, well, that's just pretty much how the conversation went, according to John. Like, I don't really know. Um, so after Scott, excuse me, John talks to Scott, um, John gets back in his car and he, like, sits there for a bit, grabs a gun, goes up to Scott's house, shoots him twice in the chest, and then calls 911 and tells them what he did. Okay, so that was a lot. Let me back the fuck up real quick. Um, so remember how I said that when it was revealed to John that it was Scott who liked him, and John pretty like seemed pretty okay about it, and Scott didn't even know if John was gay or not? Well, John was not, and uh, he was fucking livid about it being Scott. He felt so embarrassed at his male friend who liked him more than a bro sort of way. But John played it hella professional because he was on TV. Like, you don't want to freak out like that. Um, oh, also, on his way to Scott's house, uh, John goes to the bank, pulls out money, and then bought a shotgun. Like, in order to fucking kill Scott. So, that's... Hmm, alright. Um, John would later reveal that Scott's sexuality... Uh, Scott being gay scared the fuck out of him, and I don't understand why. 
Like, who cares? Like, that doesn't... I'm sorry. Like, that just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Why does that scare you? Like, like I kind of get it. Like, when someone has a crush on you and you don't like them back, it's kind of, like, awkward. You're like, oh. But you don't go and shoot a person. Jesus Christ. Oh, trust me. It gets worse. Um, so he calls 911 after shooting. Um... Scott and says, hey, he's crying by the way, um, and he's like, hey, I just shot someone. So at least he was straight to the point. John's lawyers were kind of like, oh, he went drinking with some friends and came home in the morning, and that's when he found the note by Scott, and I guess the next morning, not the morning that he found the note, he is when John allegedly confronts shot Scott and shoots him. No. Um, a Jenny Jones producer later testified that John called them the day after the episode, um, after filming the episode, which it didn't ever air, by the way, for obviously for this fucking reason, it never aired, but there are clips that you can find on, like, the media and stuff, but it never, like, actually aired on TV. Um, but the Jenny Jones producer, um, uh, says that John allegedly called them and said, oh yeah, like, me and him and Scott, like, have like a love connect that didn't make any sense john called the fucking show and said hey me and scott are great we're perfect love connection bullshit and that they were a match that is what i'm trying to say so um for a long time after john killed scott scott's family actually blamed the jenny jones show in the midst of them just trying to figure out what the fuck happened they just kind of blamed the show and john's mom claimed that the jenny jones show pushed john into doing a whole bunch of shit he didn't want to do to kind of like make it look good for the audience and shit and if he didn't comply jenny would be mad i guess he felt quote-unquote ambushed so when he was made aware that he had a crush he totally just assumed it was actually his ex-fiance who he was engaged to for a few years obviously um so he's like cool it's just her whatever i'll do it um it wasn't clearly um, but the producers really kept pushing the fact that they told John it could be a man or a woman, which is fair. Like, I feel like they shouldn't have gone through the amount of bullshit they did because it really, I don't feel like it was their fault. Like, all they did was accept Scott's story and that's it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, because John's lawyer were really trying to put the Jenny Jones show on blast, like, to kind of, like, just deflect the blame from John, and Scott's family completely thought it was the Jenny Jones show. So John wasn't even found in fault. Like, what the fuck? For some reason, like, it was, like, it was just me, the Jenny Jones fucking show's fault. And for some reason, the jury agreed with Scott's family. And so now Jenny Jones had to fucking, like, you had to give 25 million dollars to the amateurs what the shit so warner brothers that owned the jenny jones show at the time um said fuck you no because they disagreed with it being the show's fault and it got overturned from an appeal duh so john was arrested obviously um for some reason i felt like i needed to clear that up um he was arrested and while he was waiting for his trial no one could really tell if john was mentally stable or not when he shot scott um john's lawyers were like oh he has you know, he was manic and like drinking and smoking pot and he wasn't in the right sober mindset when he killed scott quote and they also discussed very heavily in the trial about John's alcoholism and a lot of depression and a chronic thyroid condition. For some reason, I don't, I don't get that. 
just a question for the people with the chronic thyroid conditions. Have y'all ever shot someone because your your thyroid was acting up? No? Okay, I was I was just wondering. So I actually chose this story for Pride Month because happy Pride. Um, because of this one fucking thing that still makes me very upset. Um, and it's still a thing in a lot of states, actually. Um, though a lot of people in states are quote-unquote being woke right now it, and are trying to completely eliminate, eliminate it. But no, it's still very, very, very popular in a lot of states. Um, so the main defense that John and his team of lawyers had was called the, quote, gay panic defense. Oh, yeah. I think y'all know where I'm going with this. So the basic of the gay panic defense is, oh, I lost my shit because the person I beat slash killed, uh, sexuality freaked me out. That's in, like, Daphne terms, but I think y'all get the gist. Like, the the entire quote-unquote defense, which it's not, um, but all right, is just strung along the fact that a person that is a part of the LGBTQ plus fucking community, um, death gets justified because of their sexuality scared the defendant. What in the flying fuck nugget is that bullshit? And this defense is used a lot to this fucking day. And this probably won't even be the last time that I'll talk about this. Like, and that kind of fucking blows. This defense actually ends up downgrading John's charges a little bit. I mean, he was still charged with a maximum of 50 years in prison, was is which is good. But, like, he could have gotten more if he didn't use the gay panic defense bullshit, which, again, is used a lot in um, cases that involves a person of the LGBTQ community being harmed in any way. So John is obviously going to appeal this, um, and he does multiple times. Um, he was actually found guilty again in 1996, and it was only for second degree murder this time, and he was only sentenced roughly like 25 to 50 years. And then like three years later, he appealed, was retried, and was still found guilty and sentenced to 25 to 50 years. So I don't know. I don't like this guy just thinks him being afraid of the gays is going to make him killing someone a lot more justified. Like, I don't he's going to get sentenced again. Like, he's going to be found guilty. Right? I don't know what the fuck this guy was trying to do, but whatever. So he was sentenced to 25 to 50 years at the Parnell Correctional Institution in Mississippi, and he did a sentence quiet. He only ended up serving up 22 years and he made parole in 2017. So the real Jenny Jones, not like the shit, like the host Jenny Jones, um, actually ended up doing an interview on Dateline, and she kind of just explains the whole how like the whole thing affected her. She was so upset, and she took on a lot of the blame. She was so depressed and sad about it, and you can tell like it um, when all of this happened, it definitely hit her very hard. Um, she just wanted to hammer in the fact that she didn't pressure anyone into doing anything they didn't want to. Um, Jenny Jones stood by her team and she kind of just took on the whole thing. Um, she did what she could and then moved on. The show ended up in 20, ended in 2013 and this, no, it ended in 2003, dyslexic fuck. Um, it ended in 2003 and this happened in 1995. So it's, the show, you know, still went strong after this. And that's actually, honestly, all I have for you guys this week. It's, I know, this is such a short episode. It's, what, 19, 16 minutes long? Like, it's, yeah, no, so I am so sorry. This is a very short episode for this week, but I thought it was important that I did cover this. Um, 
So it's just crazy. It's short. It's a short and sweet case. LOL. I don't think sweet's the word that I'm looking for. It's not the one I want to use, but it's the one I'm going to use anyway. Um, yeah, so just go ahead and DM me on my Instagram and my Twitter. Also check out my YouTube. All three are at seriouslywiththefrick. And go ahead and see me an email. I don't know, like seriouslywiththefrick33 at gmail.com. I don't know. I want to talk to y'all. Um, stay safe. Make, de- make decent decisions. And I'll go ahead and see you guys next week with a brand new episode to make you say seriously what the frick. Bye, y'all.